I want to speak on handling criticism part two. Uh, we, we talked, obviously, did part one last week, so this is part two uh, this week. So handling criticism, or as the Bible calls it, reproof, correction, or, or, or even maybe even sometimes rebuke. How do we handle that? How do we handle it? It will. It was a defining moment for me. It was about, well, just over 20, 20 years ago, I was the associate pastor here at the church at the time, and I was at a New Life conference that was in Christchurch, and I was asked to speak, the senior pastor from here, his name was John Steele, he, he asked me to speak around the offering time at the conference at the time of giving. He said, if you could do that in this particular session before the guests, the international guest speaker uh, got up. And uh, of course, I really didn't want to. I, 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 I tried to get out of it. I, I had a lot going on. I was actually, uh, I just had a lot of, lot of stuff going, going on. And, and understand at that stage for me, this is over 20 years, 20 years ago, I was not speaking often. Speaking was not something I did a lot. I would maybe speak in church maybe three, uh, at the most four times a year, if that. Anyway, I, I, worked, I worked hard. I prepared the message. I prepared it, and then the time came to preach it, which I did. I felt I did a good job. I sat down and, and uh, uh, it was like a five-minute thing, and then it was, it was done. It was, it was over. And of course, when it was done, I was like, "Phew! I am glad that is. I'm glad that's over. Glad that's done." And when it was done, of course, it was time for the international, global, famous speaker, whoever that was. I'm not going to tell you who it was, to come and do his message. And he was sitting behind me. And if I said his name, you'd know who his name was, or many of you would. And he was sitting behind me, and as he got out of his seat to come down to uh, speak and take the platform, as he walked past me, he put his hand on my shoulder and squeezed it. And I thought, oh, he must have liked it. And so I was kind of elated. as like, okay, that was good. Good, uh, good job. I was wrong. <laughs> it was like, oh. Yeah. Anita's like, not me. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank, thank you for the mercy, Catherine. Thank you. I, I, I was wrong. He, did, he, he didn't like it. He actually got up and he began a session by publicly, yeah, criticizing the way I did or led the offering. He just launched, launched into me in front of all my peers. And I guess he was trying to, <laughs> then I understood the little squeeze. Now I was feeling squeezed. But, but he, he launched, and, it, and it, because I'd done the offering, he wasn't just speaking to that. He was speaking to, I, I don't know, stuff in New Zealand and that type of, type, type of thing. But it was very, very personal. And he did that in front of all my peers. And he continued to dig in. This was, this was like a five-minute assault. We, we The other day, we were playing with our... Um, grandkids, uh, Anna and Isaac, and we had balloons out, and we were blowing them up, and you know how when you blow them up, and then you hold the things, and they go, 
as the air goes out, that's what I felt like. I went from elated to deflated in seconds. I, I got that shrinking, stinking, sinking feeling. It was like in that moment, you're in this room with all your peers and pastors from all over the, the country, and really, I just wanted to shrivel up and, I won't say what, what I felt like doing. That's what I felt like. In fact, I, I would count it, I, I would count that as one of the most awkward moments of my life. Thank you, Angie, for finishing that off for me. I will get there, Angie, okay, sit there and not wanting to be critical or anything, but I can do this by myself, thank you, Angie. I would count it as one of the most awkward moments of my life. See, what the speaker didn't know is that there were things going on for me personally at the time I was doing this, and this is why I didn't want to do it in the first place. My dad was in Wellington Hospital. He was undergoing a triple bypass. I was stressed by that. But I want to tell you this. In that moment, I just felt, as this was happening, as I was being assaulted from the stage, in that moment, I just felt in my spirit, and I'm not going to say it was God, or it could have been, but it's, I'm just going to say, I felt in my spirit, it was just like a, a whisper that said, this is a test. This is a test of character. This is a this is a test, and I understood what that meant. When I heard this is a test, I understood it's a test of character. It's a, it's a test of whether I'm going to get bitter or better. And it was like, what, what's it going to be? I, I, it was like I have a choice here. I, I have a choice to make in this moment. I can, I can get mad and sad and do something bad. Or I can choose to just forgive and move on. And that's what I did. Following the session, there was a missions breakout session. And so people who had come from uh, around the world to the conference, they, 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 they just wanted to have a sort of international mission kind of, kind of meet and greet. And so I went to that after the session and I found myself in a room with about 40 people from around the around the world, and we all had to take a seat, and I ended up having a seat that was behind in the building that we were there. It had a large pillar there, and I ended up being sitting on the seat behind the, behind the pillar. I'd have to look out like this, and everyone was going around, my name is, and I'm from, and this is, you know, and it was going around, around the room, and maybe this is just the way my brain brain works. I was there behind the pillar as it came to me. I just put my head back behind the pillar and I just said, I'm the guy who took the offering. <laughs> and the place, the ice was, it was like, because it was awkward for everyone, right? And so that just broke the ice and I was able to move away from that freely. But it was a test. It was a testing moment. I think on that day I passed the test. I haven't 
I haven't always, but that day I, I did. How do you handle criticism? How do you handle reproof? How do you handle correction? I, I think in my experience as a pastor and leader over many years, I've, it's become clear that many people do not handle it particularly well. How do you handle criticism? Someone said this, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Is there room for improvement in this area of your life? It's not just that people out there in the world are not good at handling criticism. I can tell you from my experience, not you guys, but some of the guys in the other service don't always ha handle criticism or reproof well. And so I want to help you today. I want to equip you. That's my role is to to equip you for the work of the ministry so that you will do well. I, I hope what I share today will keep you out of trouble. Because if you're not criticized today, you will be tomorrow. And if you're going to do anything or lead anything or take charge of anything, you will face criticism. And so I want to help you today. I want to keep you, keep you out of trouble. We all need to know or to learn how to receive criticism well. So how do we receive criticism well? How, how do we, or, or, or should we handle criticism, reproof, correction, rebuke? How should we do that correctly? And if we're honest, it's, it's, it's never easy to be on the receiving end of criticism. It's just not. And even more so if the criticism is genuine and perhaps even deserved. That can be the most difficult to receive. Why? Because it's true. And because it's true, it hurts just that little bit more. So what should be our attitude when it comes to handling criticism well? What should be our attitude? I want to give you four things that I hope will help you. Simple things, but not necessarily easy things. But I hope they help you. Here's number one, humility. What type of attitude should we have? Humility. How do we receive criticism? Well, it starts with a posture of humility. Humility is what? Humility is the ability to recognize and acknowledge one's own limitations, weaknesses, without arrogance or a sense of superiority. It's an important characteristic or, or quality. What's your posture? What's your posture? Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this, humility is the fear of, of the Lord. Humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages, and, 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 that, and that which you get from it, it's wages are riches and honor and life. 
It's not talking about driving a Mercedes. or doing, There's a richness that comes to your life, a, 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 an honor. It gives to you. It builds. It strengthens you. Humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages, uh, riches, honor, and life. Humility is important. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 12, he says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And again, this is where we've got to understand the kingdom works differently. The world might say, you want to be first, take that climb, the ladder kick. No, no, you want to be first, you're going to be last. The servant of all. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. He says, all of you, everybody say all of you. So no one's excluded, all of you. All of you clothe yourselves. In other words, put on. It may not be who you are, may not be, you may be wrestling, but, but we need to be a people who clothe ourselves. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. That means make sure you're wearing it. Make sure you've got it on. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, and I want to tell you that this path, this God opposes the proud, but it's great, it's mentioned more than once. But God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, and I want to tell you, it's much, it's much better to humble yourself than have God humble you. Somebody say amen to that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Friends, things might knock you down, but I want to tell you, he will lift you up in due time. If you're doing life right and you're doing that and you're working that, he will lift you. Don't worry about that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So how do we receive criticism? Well, it starts with a posture of humility. So what's your posture? What's your posture? Humility, what does it do? Humility allows one to be open to learning from others. Willing to admit when they are wrong or made a mistake. That's what humility does, which leads me to my second point, which is simply this. Number one is humility. Number two is be teachable. Be te if you want to handle criticism, criticism well, be, be teachable. Now, I'll add on to this, be approachable as well. Be approachable. Be teachable and approachable. Because some people are not. You can't approach them. You can't, you can't talk to them. And I, I've had to, in our leadership training and stuff, when we, we train pastors and stuff, I, I, I'm always like pastors, and pastors can be the worst. I heard that little chuckle. <laughs> pastors of other churches can be the worst. No, that's not. <laughs> but, but pastors can be the, be the worst. I, I have to train them, especially in the, 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 the crazy days we're living in now. 
You know, it's like pastors don't go around going, don't you touch the Lord's anointed. I was like, stop it. That, 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 it's like we're all part of the priesthood of believers. Can I hear an uh, amen? I just do a different role when people go, don't you touch the Lord's anointed. It's like, shut up. Don't do that. It just gets you into trouble. Be teachable. Friends, we've got to remember it was David who said that. Speaking of Saul, and yeah, uh, Saul was out of order, but it was David who said that, not Saul. And so we can use that as a way, and I've, I've seen it happen too many times where, where, where people as leaders were, were, would say that kind of thing as a way of just stopping any negativity. Well, I'll tell you, the negativity will come anyway. We've got to be teachable. And yeah, that's pastors and that's employers and business people or whoever. But all of us, we need to have a teachable spirit. We need to be a teachable people. We need to be an approachable people. We've got to have a teachable spirit and, and, and a teachable attitude. Someone said this, it's just as much of a Christian duty. I love this. It's just as much of a Christian duty to avoid taking offense as it is to avoid giving offense. How we receive it is just as important as how we give it. Be teachable, be approachable. Like we, we talked about last, last week, we, we all have... Blind spots, areas we can't see. We, we, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. I, I, you're not going to believe this, but I literally don't know stuff. I know, some of you are really shocked at that. I, 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 some of you are going, I knew it. I literally don't know stuff. And you know what? I'm happy with that. Do you know that it makes life easier when you don't know stuff? People come to me as a leader. Oh, do you know where? I was like, no. See, it's quite freeing when you don't have to be the answer person. Amen. Hallelujah. People say, do you know where that? No, I don't know. I don't know. You need to go and ask. Someone. It's quite freeing as a leader. You want, you want to free up some time? Just don't know anything. I tell you, it's just going to free up. What's your opinion? Oh, I don't have one. <laughs> It'll free up hours of your time. You'll be amazed at how much time if you know nothing. It's very freeing. But we don't know everything. And a teachable heart understands, understands that. A teachable heart understands I don't know all the answers. I, I may have missed something. There's, there may be something I, uh, I can't see. There's, there's another perspective. There's something I need to learn. There's, there, there's, I mean, sometimes I'm just wrong. Not, oh, brutal. Brutal. You'll be sleeping on the couch. No, I'll just, uh, no that'll be me. Um, Sometimes I'm just wrong. I'm, I make mistakes. So, so, so be teachable. Remember what that scripture we read in Proverbs 12, verse 1 last night. He who hates reproof is stupid. And like I said, that's the ESV. He's stupid. I don't know what it says he. <laughs> I like that one. He who hates reproof is stupid. The great A.W. Tozer I said this, 
If the criticism is false, it can do no harm. If it is true, you need to hear and do something about it. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Be teachable, be approachable. So we're talking about how to receive criticism well. Number three, open ear and an open heart. Have an open ear and an open heart. Got four things. In other words, we need to learn to listen. If you're going to handle criticism well, we, 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 or reproof or abuse, you need to learn. We need to learn to listen. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says, My dear brothers, and sisters. It's talking to all of us. My dear brothers and sisters, and then it says, take note. Take note. If you're taking notes, take note. This is important. Take note of this. Everyone, all of us, no one's excluded. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Let's make sure we've got the order right. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Some of us, it's all the other way around. We're quick. You know who you are. We're quick to become angry. Be slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. John Steele, who was the pastor before me many years ago now he said this and i it's one of those sayings you don't forget he said god gave us two ears and one mouth so we should listen twice as much as we speak he's sending a signal we've got two ears one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak we need to learn to listen better we because i i think most of us, I think, if we're honest, we, we, we can all be better talkers than listeners. I love the story of President Roosevelt, or FDR as he was known. He was sick to death of the formalities of being president and all the different stuff that he had to do. He, life as the 32nd president of the United States could be intense, but it could also be simply annoying. Take the endless receiving of lines he had to endure at the White House. Hundreds of people, ambassadors and dignitaries from all over the world lined up to shake his hand. At one of the White House's formal events involving a long and tedious receiving line, tired of all this, President Roosevelt did something a little, shall we say, naughty. As those in line stood nervously in awe of meeting the president, he started to shake each person's hand and as he smiled politely, instead of the typical hello, yes, and welcome comment, he courteously would say each time, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> to which his guests, as he thought, were not really listening, replied, thank you, Mr. President. And of course, probably nerves got the better of them, but he would go along this one, hi, how are you? I murdered my grandmother. Oh, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, sir. 
But near the end of the line, the ambassador from Bolivia was there. And upon hearing the president's comment, the ambassador leaned forward and whispered into the president's ear, I'm sure she deserved it, sir. (laughs) The Bolivian ambassador learned the art of listening. We need to learn to listen better twice as much as we speak. Twice as much. Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, listen to the advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And and of course, criticism, correction, reproof, it can be hard to listen to or receive because sometimes criticism can come clothed in frustration and anger and and hurt. And, And to be honest, as I've said already, a lot of people don't know how to communicate their frustration, so in their, in their telling or in their criticism, it can come out wrong. So it's important to remember as we, we listen, as we hear, that we focus on hearing what they're saying rather than how they're saying it. That we separate the message from the delivery. That we separate the criticism itself away from the way it's being presented. Which leads me to point number four. Respond, reflect, and analyze. So we're talking about how to receive criticism well. You're being criticized. I'll tell you when to start. I just say, I'll just hang it. I'm not criticizing or anything. I just (laughs) hold off. It leads me to point number four, respond, reflect, and analyze. We're talking how to receive criticism well. You're, 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 You're being criticized. Don't react. Don't blow your top and lose your cool. I don't know how you do it now, but I'm, I'm just saying, don't blow your top, don't lose your cool. Let, for me, this is something I, I, I've just seen over the years where people, instead of responding, re- reflecting and analyzing, they, they react and retaliate. Learn not to take it personally. I, I, and don't take it to heart. It's hard. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's not easy. I, I remember a person in an area where we were dealing with some stuff that said in pastoral ministry, you've got to have skin as thick as a rhinoceros. I'm not saying it's easy. But this is where I think one of the most important questions to ask when criticism comes, whether genuine or not, whether deserved or not, if we want to handle criticism well, is always to ask the question, is there any truth in it? This is where you... Reflect and analyze. Is there any truth in, what, in what's being said? Never be afraid to test yourself by your critics' words. Ask, does, does, it, does it identify areas of growth or where I need to learn or where I need to take action or make changes? Are there any areas that, that genuine or not, that, that I can improve on or be better in one thing i'm sure that criticism has a marvelous way of driving us into the arms of our heavenly father for sure 
So what does it mean to respond? Well, it just, well, just simply this, Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How do you respond? A soft word. Proverbs 15, verse 4 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Colossians 4, verse 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer a person. you do these four things, it will help you handle criticism well. Now, I need to finish as I wrap up here with one small and important caveat. Not all criticism is created equal. Equal. Not all criticism is created equal. What do I mean? When you receive criticism, as I've said, it's important to ask those questions. Is there any truth in it? Is there anything that I need to change? It's important to respond with humility, listening ear to, but, but I want to tell you, not all criticism is created equal. Sometimes when you ask those questions, is there any truth in it? Is there anything? Sometimes the answer is just no. Friends, I want to tell you this. Critics don't always know best. Or what's right. I've realized many times people's criticism is merely just their perspective and their opinion and they're entitled to it. But that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it valid. Sometimes people are just mean. Sometimes people have a wrong motive. But I want to tell you, not all criticism is created equal. They're just preferences, perspectives, that people are sharing. And you know, when I think about that, I think about Joshua and Caleb, and I don't have time for it, I've probably rambled on too long. But Joshua and Caleb, if you remember their story of going into the promised land and the 10 spies come back, the 12 spies went in, 10 came back and said, we can't do it. They gave a bad report. They criticized all that was taking taking place. If Joshua and Caleb had listened to that report, they wouldn't have gone. They wouldn't have gone. But the Bible tells us they had a different spirit. You can, thank you. They had a different spirit. And it tells us actually in Numbers 14 verse 8, it says, if the Lord pleased with us, he will lead us into the land and a land flowing with milk and honey and, it, and it, he will give it, basically he will give it to us. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. The critic is not always right. And I just want to say this, I had some other stuff, but simply this, if I had listened to every critical voice, if I had listened over the years to every time somebody had said, oh, you should do this and you must do that and you should do that, friends, I, would have, I, I, I wouldn't have done half the things. I've set out to achieve. I've had people tell me, I started a, oh, I can't get into it. I've, I've got to, I've had people tell me, I mean, I wouldn't have run that conference if I'd have listened to what people said. I wouldn't have been and done the stuff we did in India if I'd have listened to what people said. 
So friends, I just want to tell you, criticism is not created equal. We need to learn how to receive it responsibly and handle it with care. But we don't have to take on what everyone's saying. You know, in church life, sometimes people write me letters, you know, the music's too loud, it's too soft, chairs are too hard, too, it's just personal preference. People say, take time and pray about it. While I'm writing, I'm like, I don't need to. Because I understand my non-negotiables. I'm not going to change that. I didn't just think about this yesterday. Not all criticism is created equal. And so we can take it, we can hear it with humility and listen and be taught. But then you've got to know what your non-negotiables are. When I was a young leader, I would stay up all night when people would send me a letter. Now I just... it's just opinion and not all criticism is created equal you don't have to take it on board and as you grow in your leadership you learn that so just be humble just be teachable reflect respond analyze and if there's truth in it do something about it if not just drop it I hope that's helped you today it's helped me would you stand? Evangelist Percy Ray said this. He said, when people kick us, it's sometimes a sign that we're in front of them and we're pushing through. We're pushing through. What we've got to do is learn to accept both compliments and criticism because it takes both sun and rain for a flower to grow. Let's just handle it. Oh, there's other stuff I wanted to do, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll yeah, okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> Would you put your hands out like this? Let me bless you. Otherwise, I'm going to get it. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for the beautiful people here. Father, you've given us skills and different ways to be able to grow and handle things. But Lord, help us to even learn this week how to handle criticism well and do life well in this area. Father, change what needs to be changed. Help us even today evaluate and take away how can we do this better. This we ask in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, amen. If you need prayer for anything, there's the prayer station over there. Otherwise, the service is over. God bless you. And uh, 